Amen. Wow, I don't even know why I've been asked to speak today after that song. I think we've already had a sermon. Uh, I know a man who can. Whew. Powerful. Thank you, Karen, for sharing your talents today with us. Uh, you know, my brother is in Thailand, and he's watching this morning. And he mentioned when he visited this church years ago that he really didn't enjoy the sermon that much. I wasn't speaking, so I didn't, wasn't offended. But he said, the music, the words of the music and song meant so much to him. I want to give a shout out. I think he's listening today. So tell everyone in Thailand, we said hi. We have people from Oklahoma. My family's out there, is tuned in. I have people in Georgia. Uh, I hope that they're blessed, and I hope that you all are blessed. I want to welcome again all the members. I want to welcome the visitors, if we have any today. Thank you for coming here today and sharing this special Sabbath with us. And also those that are online today. Are you like me? Are you tired of all the bad news? Are you tired of the COVID-19 and the isolation, the social dissident, the lockdowns, the financial crunch of many who have lost their jobs, the pain of California with all the fires, people losing homes, the hurricanes, that people have lost their homes here on the coast, the bitterness I've never seen before, a racial and political division. People are suffering. There's more depression their anxiety, there's fear, and there's a sense of hopelessness. It is becoming clearer than ever that the leaders of this world and the governments of this world do not have the real answer to the problems that we are facing. The hurt, the pain, the uncertainty of our time. Brothers and sisters, we do have a certainty of the outcome. Christ is coming again to take us home. I was just thinking this morning how happy and how privileged we as a people to have a Savior. We as a people to have a hope. And we as a people to have a promise. He is coming, and he is going to take us home. I'd like to start with a story, a true story that happened in the state of Ohio. A young man was found guilty of a terrible crime. He was sentenced to death. All the appeals came, and they failed each time. The parents have lost all hope. And you know, parents, they will do whatever they can for their children. They went to the governor. 
will you at least go see this boy? He agreed. As the governor went, and as he's walking towards the cell, the young man saw him. And he said, here comes another preacher. Here comes somebody else to pray with me. Here comes somebody else to bother me. And as the governor stepped up and looked between them bars, he said, morning, James. Good morning. The young man turned his back, and he would not speak. Again, the governor tried to speak to him. James, your family, your friends, they've been talking with me about you. And I wanted to speak to you personally. And James turned around and said, I really do not want to speak to anyone today. Oh, but if you only knew the importance of the message, I'm sure you would give me a little bit of your time. I really don't care what message you have for me. Do me a favor and go away. The governor, with a little sadness, I'm very sorry to have disturbed you. Let us pray. Lord, I ask you, humbly, to hide me, empty me of myself, fill me with your spirit, and may your words be spoken here today. Amen. In the scripture reading today, you'll notice Jesus was speaking. And he said, there's two things that I don't want you to do. They were, we are not to judge and we are not to condemn. And then he comes and he says, there's one thing we need to do. And that is to forgive one another. This week, I'd like you to meet a certain woman. Like many in life, she was in need of love. She was in need of hope. She was in need of a personal relationship with somebody that really cared about her. And her name is Mary Magdalene. But I also would like you to meet a man who has been healed of leprosy. He knew the scriptures. He kept the law. He was well respected in society and among the others, rabbis. He was in need of a personal relationship. And his name was Simon. We also will take a brief look at Judas, who sold out to this world. The title today is Forgiveness. Mary Magdalene, a Jew, a woman of ill repute, a woman who has failed badly in her younger days and sinned often, 
a woman with seven demons. You know, there are many misunderstood notions about Mary. She is not a female God. She is not the secret wife of Jesus. She is from a place called Magdala, and it's a small community by the Sea of Galilee. It's three miles from Capernaum, where Jesus performed most of his miracles. She heard of the stories of this amazing man who cared for others. Let's look at Mary Magdalene in Luke 8, 1 and 2. Now it came to pass afterwards that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the 12 disciples were with him. And a certain woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom have come seven demons. She already had an encounter with Jesus that changed her life. But I want you to go back before she met Jesus. Can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine the suffering? Can you imagine the heartbreak, the loneliness of Mary before she met Jesus? And then, brothers and sisters, she finds out It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. Not when it comes, when we give our lives to Jesus. Jesus came to give us all hope and to deliver us from the chains of this world. You and I are no different than Mary before Christ. Were you not in bondage? Were you not held to the chains of this world? Did we not all have our own personal demons? Greed, lust, lying, cheating, pornography, drugs, alcohol, adultery, These are just some of the demons that have become part of our lives. And we, before Christ, don't even realize what condition we're in. As we go through life, some have more temptations and some of us have more junk in the trunk. This gives the devil more to work with. In scriptures it says, if you will resist the devil, he will go away. I believe that. It's a resisting and it's our choice. But in my experience, he will leave, but he also, and don't miss this, will come back in a different direction. Scriptures tell us, Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will hold on one and despise the other. Yes, you can hold on to this world, 
and still be called a Christian. There's a name for it. I call it a bad journey. See, Mary was free from the chains of this world. She has devoted her life to Jesus. Go with me to verse 3 in chapter 8 of Luke. And at the very end of the verse, many others who have provided for him, Jesus, from their substance, she joined others in supplying from their own substance, from her own pocketbook. Mary was not destitute. She was one of the first woman missionary. She spread the gospel of Jesus with Jesus. Just as in all our lives, and as well as Mary's lives, there were some bad influences. There were some bad experiences, some under our control, and some of them against our will. Just as in our lives, some came directly from family members. The kind that affects people for the rest of their lives. I want us to look at Simon, her uncle. In the Society of Ages on page 320, it describes Simon as a Pharisee. He acknowledged Jesus as a teacher. He was hoping that he might be the Messiah. At this point in his life, he was not entirely devoted to Christ. He has not accepted Christ as his Savior. His character was not transformed. His principles were unchanged. On the outside, he claimed Jesus, but not really. Some of us might know what I'm talking about. Some of us might be just going through the motions while not really letting Christ affect us. Nothing in our life have really changed. The inside, the heart, still remains the same. See, Simon was a good member. He had, was in good standing. He enjoyed coming to her the message every Sabbath. He would never miss going to the synagogue. He knew the scriptures better than most. He kept the commandments, at least from the external view. Simon was missing something. See, on the outside, Simon looked good. He was a good candidate for heaven. But he didn't know Jesus. He didn't understand the gift of salvation. He thought through his actions, he could earn his way. Go with me to Romans 3, 23 and 24. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24. Being justly freely by grace through the redemption, don't miss it, in Jesus Christ. 
let me try to break it down. We are made right with God slowly by his grace. It is freely given and we stand acquitted or not guilty before the law. Our penalty was paid by Jesus. For anyone who asks forgiveness from their heart, and I do mean everyone, because God is not a partial God. And it's not that what we do, it's what Christ has already done on the cross. He paid the penalty for our sins. And all we need to do is ask forgiveness in faith. Simon also was a leper. And Jesus healed him. This good deed, just as anybody, if somebody does a good deed for you or I, are we not more apt to be wanting to be closer with them? Maybe to hang out with them? To show them a little bit of respect? Simon did this. He was closer to Jesus from a distance. Simon wanted to show his appreciation. Simon wanted to show his gratitude publicly and outward showing. So he invited Jesus to join the banquet in his honor. And Jesus accepted. Matthew 26, 6. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leopard. I'm just going to kind of build the time period for you. It was right after the Sermon on the Mount. It was about six days before Passover. Passover is a celebration of the Jewish people being free from the bondage of Egypt. Look with me in Luke 7.36. Then one of the Pharisees, Simon, asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he, Jesus, went to the Pharisee's house and sat down. I want you not to miss this. Jesus accepted the invitation knowing the heart of Simon at this time. Jesus would never miss an opportunity even in a sinner's house when he could make a difference in someone's life. Brothers and sisters, you do not have to wait to be perfect to invite Jesus to a banquet. You do not have to be perfect to invite Jesus into your home. You do not have to be perfect to ask Jesus to be part of your life, to come into your heart. The next verse in Luke seven thirty-seven, and behold, a woman a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought a flat of fragrant oil. 
Look at this. Mary enters the church. I mean, the house. She's an unwanted guest. She's a woman of reputation. She's a feast crasher. She's in a hostile male environment. She's among all the saints. And they begin to whisper. See, Mary has lived a sinful life in her past. Mary felt a great deal of shame, as many of us do, for some of the things in our past life. But living in a small community of Adventism, I mean Judaism, it's hard not to be judged by your past. Mary couldn't understand how Jesus could love her so much. How many of us does Satan work this same conniving trick on? He whispers to you, you're not worthy. How many of us feel ashamed crying out? How could you forgive me after all I've done? How could you love me in the condition that you found me? How can Jesus really love me and know me? See, this is what's so wonderful about it. He accepts you as you are, and he refuses to leave you there. I say, consider yourself fortunate, at least in my humble perspective. Go with me to Luke 5.32. I have not come for the righteous, but I have come for sinners. Those who are not feeling sick have no need for a doctor. And they still might be sick. Are you with me? Mary knew she was a sinner. Simon didn't think he was. Who would you rather be? Are some of us in denial? We look around, we're really not that bad. I mean, did you see what brother so-and-so did? What about sister? Did you see that skirt that she had on? Oh, look it. She's wearing a nose ring. Mercy. You compare yourself to others. But in Christ's mercy and compassion, Mary has already been forgiven. And she didn't care what anybody thought. She went into the banquet boldly, and her heart was so full of gratitude. See, Simon was the one in trouble. And the desires of ages says her brother Lazarus, who was dead but now lived, was sitting next to Christ. And his sister Martha was doing what she did best. 
She was serving. She was cooking. I like Martha, by the way. I can't wait to taste some of her food. Every time you read about Martha in the Bible, she's doing some kind of service. Uh, she's uh, she going to be a mean chef up in heaven. Mary was overwhelmed with sorrow for her past sinful life. I want you the key word here is past. Christ forgave her, but didn't erase her memory. Hmm. Did you get that? How many of us have been there? How many of you have been this riding down a road? You know you're forgiven. You know you have that relationship. And this pops in something that is so bizarre, yes, guilty, that happened 20 years ago. Mercy. Am I the only one? In Luke 8, verse 38, Mary stood at his feet, behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed him with the fragrant oil. Mary wept without shame. Mary knew that Jesus loved her. And a love that was truly righteous. She also knew she has been forgiven. She was just in her own way trying to show how much she loved Jesus. Haven't you ever just wanted to show someone how much you love them, how much you care, how much they meant to you? And it didn't matter what other people thought. See, in Luke 7, 48, then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine the joyful words that filled her heart? She already knew she's been forgiven. But to her, Jesus give that com confirm it. Can you imagine the day when Jesus looks at you and me with them loving eyes, with that smile? with that inner peace. And he says, well done, good and faithful servants. Your sins are forgiven. Mercy. But now it begins to get interesting. The buzz really begins. The guests were in a tizzy. Who is this man who also claims to forgive sin? Simon heard it, and his pride kicked in with his other guest. Simon, it says in the desire ages, looked at Jesus now with distrust. He looked at Jesus now with displeasure. See, Jesus was ruining this get-together to honor Simon. I mean, to honor Jesus. At least, that was the thought process. Luke 7, 39. Now, then the Pharisee Simon, who has invited, saw this. He spoke to himself, saying, 
this man, if he was a prophet, would have known who and what man or woman this is who is touching him. For she is a sinner. Everyone stopped eating. You could hear a pin drop. All the righteous people were looking at Mary. And she heard this criticism. And she became scared. And she began to tremble. In Matthew 26, 10, Christ, oh, I love Jesus, is speaking to everyone. Why do you trouble this woman? For she has done a good work for me. Other words, leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing. Judas, the disciple, the one who might have been honored by God, was the first to stop the gossip. Judas had his own demons. Money. He had a natural love for the green stuff. I imagine his favorite color was green. I imagine he and Ben Franklin got along fine. But on this day, silver would do. And they begin to text. And they begin to whisper to each other. And normally, don't miss this, normally the one who starts the gossip is usually the one with the ulterior motive. Judas begin to speak. You know, this could have been used for the poor. Look how many people it could have helped. You've seen the type, haven't you? They stir up the beehive and they leave out the back door. I call them pot stirrers over a hot stove. See, Judas at that time leaves the dinner. I'm sure he went out the back door. The question is, where did he go? Man, are you seeing what I'm seeing here? The devil is busy at this banquet. Matthew 26, 14 and 15. We see where he's headed. One of the 12 called Judas went to the chief priests. And he said, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him, Jesus, to you? And they counted out 30 pieces of silver. Brothers and sisters, Judas sold his eternity for 30 pieces of silver. His final choice and decision was to betray Christ. The one he professed to love. The one that he has followed for many years. So far, are you with me on this journey? So far, we see that one is saved. We see that one is lost. Now we have a man on second base, and he's looking to get home. He's called Simon. He's struggling. I'm sure many of us here today can relate. 
Let us go back to the feast. See, it's still in an uproar. Oh, don't miss the end of this. This is where Jesus did not openly rebuke Simon. He leans over and he quietly, as not to embarrass him in the front of his guest, tells him a story of two debtors. For the sake of time, I'm not going to go there, but I will just summarize it. One had a lot of debt and one not so much, and both of them were forgiven. Simon, which one of them do you think loves more? Luke 7, 43. Simon speaks and says, I suppose the one who was forgiven more, the one with the larger debt. Makes sense? Jesus said, Simon, you're correct. What a lesson for us, whether it's in our daily lives or when we're just out in the world, or whether we're at home, or we're with our loved ones, or even in our church setting, Jesus is still whispering to Simon in a loving way. Go with me to Luke 7, 47. Sounds like a Boeing airplane. Hmm. Therefore I say to you, Simon... Her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loves much. But whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Did you notice when you read this story how Simon disrespected Christ from the time he arrived at that banquet in his honor? It's your mother's-in-law rehearsal dinner. Not really, honey, if you're watching. We, we, we had a wonderful wedding, and your mother was fine. Whew, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. All right, let's go back to Luke 7:44. Simon, did you notice how the woman treated me? I entered your house, and you gave me no water to wash my dusty feet. But she, Mary, washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. See, in Jesus' time, the roads were dusty. And they wore sandals. And their feet were dirty. It was custom either by the servant or the wife of the host to wash the feet. Of the guest. In our time, and maybe you can relate, you will hear a voice as you approach the entrance of your house. The doorbell camera gave you away, and it begins to speak to you. And it says, Don't forget to remove your shoes before you come in, honey. Of course, my wife says it with love. 
Simon continues to disrespect Jesus in verse 745. You gave me no kiss, but this woman did not cease to kiss my feet since the time I came in. In other words, Simon, you did not welcome me as a brother. It was also custom to welcome another Jewish brother with a kiss on the cheek. Simon didn't have an excuse. There wasn't a virus going around at that time. Luke 7.46, as Simon continues to disrespect his guest, Jesus. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman anointed my feet with fragrant oil. This also was a custom to show to the guest of honor. Why was Simon acting as he was? Was Simon ashamed? Was Simon hiding something? Have you ever been in a circumstance and acted different? Can you relate? Maybe knowing inside you've done someone or something wrong and no one knew except you, you thought? As our pastor would say, if you can't say amen, say ouch. What was happening? Is Simon beginning to realize he cannot hide from Jesus? When we look at the Decide Ages on page 326, Simon has led into sin the woman he now despised. She was deeply wronged by him. Yes, Simon, her uncle, took advantage of Mary. The same scenario happened with King David's son, who took advantage of his sister, Tama, and then he despised her. How do we feel when guilt takes over, knowing we are in the wrong? What defense do you and I put up? How do we act when we are insecure? Simon knew what he's done, yet he hasn't repented. And now the sin has become a disease and a separation. And it was eaten away at his inner peace. Don't miss the message how Christ deals with Simon. He speaks to him in private. He shows mercy. He's not outright condemning Simon. Yes, you are correct as you thought. Simon's wrong. He committed a devastating sin that not only affected him, but also another person. And I surmise to you, a total family. Could have Jesus, or you or I, call the brother or sister out? Would we have been correct? Yes, probably. But what if we showed mercy 
What if we showed grace? What if we showed forgiveness? This is Jesus' example to Simon. And don't miss the outcome. In the Disciples Ages, it says, it was at this dinner that Christ's mercy melted Simon's heart. He was so touched by the kindness of not openly rebuking him or exposing his guilt to the guest. It was through Christ's love. It was through his compassion. He truly began to see his error. He truly, Simon, began to see his shortcoming. Yes, Simon, a respected Pharisee, looked up by others, humbled by Christ's actions. His pride left him. And he repented. And I believe that day that Mary also forgave him. And that was the day he gave all to Jesus. That was the day he also was forgiven. There was a burden, I'm sure, that lifted off of him because that was the day I believe he was able to forgive himself. He became a true follower of Christ. Is this not what Christ has done for you and I? Has he not given us forgiveness with love, with compassion, with understanding, with a tenderness? Did he not change your heart when you realized how much he loved you? Or when you realized he took what we deserve that day on Calvary. Yes, even when justice is deserved, Christ shows mercy and forgiveness as he's done for each and every one of us. Yes, with a little kindness, with a little caring, with a hug instead of a whisper, we might be able to melt someone's heart that they also would want to know the Savior that you and I serve. In 1 Samuel 16, 7, 1 Samuel 16, 7, men look on the outward appearance, the Lord looks on the heart. Are you not glad that Jesus is your judge, your advocate, and not man? You remember the story, the one I told in the beginning? The young man, James, was condemned to death. He's on death row. Soon the governor, the governor left, and right afterwards, one of the gods couldn't wait, and he came by, and he asked, James, how did the meeting go with the governor? James was astonished. You mean that little man with the Bible was the governor and not just another preacher? Yes. 
he came to see you today. And if there was anything that he could do to help you out with your case. True story. A couple days later, they put a cap over his face. One of his last words as he cried out, what a fool I was. He wanted to help me and I wouldn't let him in. James rejected the governor who he thought was just another preacher. Brothers and sisters, for anybody out there, don't reject Jesus thinking he's just another story. I'm here to tell you Jesus is real. He loves you and he died for you. And if it is your desire today to let Jesus in your heart, then I ask you to bow your heads whether you're at home, whether you're overseas. Wherever you might be, pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord, you are a faithful God. Forgive me for my past sins. You died on the cross to redeem me. You are in the business of restoration. Restore me to your will. My choice today is to accept your invitation of repentance and forgiveness. Come, reign in my heart. Fill me with your love. Amen.